Welcome to Lesson 9, A Christian and His Finances, and the passage of Scripture we're going to open up with is in Proverbs 3, verse 9, where the Word of God says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the firstfruits of all your produce. Let's pray. Thank you, God, so much for this opportunity to look at this topic, and I pray that you would strengthen our faith as we look through it, and uh, that our love for you and our commitment to you and... Um, your use of us, which is go on increasing, um, that we would be used for your glory while we live on this earth. And we're so thankful that you died on the cross for our sins, and though you were rich for our sakes, you became poor to make us rich, and make us rich spiritually, to forgive us of our sins. And uh, Lord, you call us into a life of generosity, Lord, that we would be used of you to provide for your church and to provide for the needs of your saints and to provide, Lord God, um, for the advance of the gospel to the lost. We just thank you so much for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the uh, biblical view of money and possessions is that God owns everything. When people honestly acquire money and possessions, they receive a gift from God to be managed to his glory. God is man's provider. That's a liberating truth for all who trust in him. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. That's that's what his name means. He's going to provide for his people. Um, this view requires the godly use of money to provide for the necessities of life for oneself, family, church, and those who are poor because of circumstances beyond their control. The first sign of a believer's use of money under the authority of God is giving money away with no expectation of getting anything in return. The Bible presents this in the giving of a tithe or the first fruits and the offerings um, and gifts to the poor. Um, And we saw in that Proverbs 3 verse 9 passage, and and you see this all throughout um, the Old Testament. You see just this principle brought forth where we are called to honor the Lord with our wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. We give to God um, of our first fruits, not of kind of what's left over, you know. And and I think that's such a an important principle, just with our lives, um, with our time, with our money, just that we give God our very best and our very first, and uh, we're not kind of giving to Him. Uh, as an afterthought, and and that that really that really motivates me and touches my heart, and I want to I want to do I want to do just that. Responsibly assigning money to meet the necessities of life, to provide for God's work, and to help the poor requires careful planning and expenditure of money. Um, let's move to the first point here. God owns everything. He provides the world. Um, and all that is in it as a lavish gift to mankind. He provides for the world and all that is in it as a lavish gift to mankind. Um, the first scripture there, Psalm 50, verse 12, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Um, it's just a beautiful principle that God owns everything. The world is his and all that is in it. And in uh, Psalm 8, 3 and 7, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, 
What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? Uh, just that God is mindful of us. And uh, that, that's very important to always know. He knows the inning and the score with our finances and what we need. And, and, and he always provides uh, for, for everything that we need. Uh, Matthew 6 is a beautiful passage of Scripture where the Word just says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, Jesus says, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Again, there you see that first fruits principle, or just that, you know, giving God the very first of who you are in your heart, and to seek, seek him first and his kingdom, and his righteousness. Point two, a man is responsible to use money and possessions to the glory of God. Um, a, he's called to be a worker. Um, you, you see this um, in Second Thessalonians 3, 6 and 10. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For even when we are with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. You just see this principle here of being hard workers so that we can provide for ourselves but also be a blessing to others. So being a worker is a very important principle. B, he's called to be a giver. Luke six thirty eight. give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured to you. And that passage there in Mark 12, 41 through 44, talks about Jesus actually sitting down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watch the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Um, it's just a very, very powerful reality that Jesus did that. Um, and many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins with only a fraction of a penny, calling his disciples to him. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow is put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And Jesus just commended her as an example uh, to his disciples, to us all. And uh, I'm just so thankful. I can't wait to meet uh, that widow when we get to heaven. Just her faith in trusting the Lord. Um, and her generosity and her example as a giver. Uh, point three, the sinful use of money profanes God's name and can result in causing others to suffer. A, materialism, uh, it stems from seeing money and possessions as life-giving. Um, one, it results in greed, the love of money and possessions. And we really have to be on guard about that. You look at First Timothy 6, 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich 
fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. As you see there in that passage, some people eager for money. And you see just earlier in the passage, people who want to get rich. Um, there's just this driving ambition in their life to acquire wealth and acquire possessions and to get rich. And um, that desire can dominate your life. You can serve that like a false god. And and uh, you know, other in another passage, she said, you cannot serve both God and money. Um, you can't have two masters. You need to make Christ your master and not money. Um, it's not wrong to to be rich financially. There's nothing wrong inherently with that. Um, some of the most generous people I know, or some of the you know, most wealthy uh, Christians I know. And, and that's one of those things that, um, that's such an example to the flock and, and, and an example of an eternal perspective. But it's the, the, the craving for riches, being eager for money that gets you really into a lot of trouble. And it's something we all really need to constantly evaluate our heart with. You don't need to be rich or to have a lot of money to be eager to get rich. Um, you know, those who aren't as wealthy or as rich. And, um, um, that, I mean, that would describe the, the vast majority of us can, can want to be rich and can fall into the trap of pursuing, uh, money and possessions as our God just as much as somebody who has a lot of money already. Um, the, the poor can fall into this temptation. It's, it's about wanting to get rich or being eager for money. And that, that's what, where people can get derailed and sidetracked. We're called to trust in the Lord and, and to work hard. And, um, you know, in doing that, there's this wonderful proverb in Proverbs 13, verse 11. It just says, he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. And um, I think that's a great principle. You know, just working hard, uh, getting money, saving up a little bit at a time, and over the course of a lifetime, you know, you'll save money and glorify God in that way, and you'll be very generous as well. And um, it's a beautiful thing when that's happening. Two, um, it results in withholding money from those who need it. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. And so you see this principle here, be generous and do not withhold good when you see a need. B, poverty and sin. Poverty can result from the powerful exploiting of the weak. Um, and secondly, uh, poverty can result from laziness and greed. In our, in our society, we see the results in consumer debt, bankruptcy due to foolishness and, and receiving public assistance by people able to work. And, you know, it's important when you look at those things to be very humble and to not be self-righteous, um, if that's not your situation, to look, it's very easy to look in and judge other people. Um, we need to remember, you know, all of us, um, even those of us who are, you know, caught in, in in financial challenges like that, you know, and even if it has resulted from sin or greed in the past or, you know, just foolish spending or, you know, the cross of Jesus Christ is able to f- forgive us of all of our sins and 
we want to be so grateful the Lord's forgiven us. And as we look on our own sins, we want to remember we're forgiven by Christ and His death on the cross. Uh, hallelujah. And we also want to, as we look at others, just be merciful in our heart. We don't want to be self-righteous towards those in society um, you know, who uh, are able to work but are receiving public assistance, things like that. We want to be humble and um, and be merciful in our heart toward people who are just um, ensnared. Uh, but, you know, poverty can result from those things, and that's, and that's not a good thing. Proverbs 10.4 um, is uh, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. We, we want to be diligent for the glory of God. And, um, and you know, there, there's a wonderful dynamic in Scripture where Scripture just talks about it. It's diligent hands that bring provision, that bring wealth into somebody's life. Uh, Proverbs uh, 28, 19, He who works his land will have abundant food. You see that? Working the land, working hard. But the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. That's a very important principle. That You know, there's just so many sort of get-rich-quick schemes out there, and you have to be very careful. Um, you want to avoid those kinds of things. And anything that's going to kind of be a dream, be a fantasy, that that really isn't a wise pursuit. It's more of a pipe dream, and it's more of a, you know, it's, it's just sort of a long shot. A lot of times people can spend their whole life chasing that sort of thing, and it, it can really hinder them. And... Uh, Rather than just committing to working hard and being diligent all your life and um, saving up money little by little and making that grow, that that's the wisdom of the scriptures. Point three: poverty can result from the consequences of the fall of man worked out in creation, um, natural disasters, plague, and famine, and that's all a result of the fall. It's all a result of sin, and you know, so so sad to see all those things and. So kind of God that He sent His Son Jesus to redeem us from the fall. And uh, I just love Him so much for that. Point four, God uses money to further His kingdom through the church. Um, A, tithes provide for the work of ministry. Um, let's look here at uh, point one here, the, the biblical grounds uh, for tithing. A, uh, the giving of the first tenth, and that's what uh, tithe means, the first tenth of one's income is practiced throughout the Bible. Um, Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek in Genesis 14. Jacob tithed. Um, the law of Moses formalized the tithe for the maintenance of the temple and the provision for the priests and Levites who served there. Um, Jesus commended the Pharisees' practice of tithing though not their motive. And that passage there in Matthew 23, 23 is very important, that, that Jesus did commend um, the practice of tithing. Um, their motive wasn't right, and the way that they were living um, wasn't right. They were emphasizing the weighty, uh, you know, things like tithing rather than the weightier matters of the law. But Jesus said, you know, you should practice um, the weightier matters of love and mercy, and, um, but you should not neglect the latter or pr- um, principles like tithing. You should tithe, but there's things that are more important, Jesus said, than tithing. The weightier matters of the law there in Matthew 23, 23. And so that, that's an important point. 
um, because that's sort of a, a, a passage that you know bridges from the old covenant into the new, and we see there Jesus' heart. Um, tithes are also called first fruits in the Old Testament by giving the first of one's income. Uh, the one giving the offering demonstrated a commitment to God first and a trust that God would provide uh, the rest of his income. With Jesus' sacrificial death, the temple with its sacrifices and priesthood became obsolete. Um, and now the church becomes the place where God glorifies himself in the earth. D, hence we bring our first fruit offering of one-tenth of our income into God's house for the promotion of his work to glorify his name in the world through the church. And you see that in Malachi 3 and Ephesians 3.10. Practical guidelines for tithing. Um, A, apply the tithe to all income. B, tithe on all sources of income from your labors. C, give the tithe to the storehouse. That principle there in Malachi 3 of giving your tenth or giving your tithe to the storehouse it is a principle that God's people were to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse or to the temple, and then the temple and, and God's people would then together collectively as a whole as the storehouse, you know, gathered all of the first fruits. Then it would be distributed out from there. Um, that, that's an important point. Give the tithe to the storehouse where God has placed you to worship and to receive care and training, i.e., your church. There's a principle there that's that's an important one in relation to you know just biblical wisdom into how should, how we should focus our giving you know and and a lot of times there's just so many opportunities to give and so many good causes to give to but in terms of our tithe we're called to give our tithe to the storehouse which we really believe in the principle in scripture there is speaking toward the you know the temple toward in the New Testament the the local church where from out from the local church, great, great good can be done as God's people um, are provided for and the work of the ministry is provided for. D, give tithes in the same frequency in which you receive your income. This is just good wisdom principles. B, offerings provide for church planting, specific ministries, church buildings, and care for the deserving poor. You see that in Acts chapter 4 when there were no needy persons among them because God's people were just so filled with the Spirit, they were giving um, so generously that uh, they were laying their money down at the apostles' feet and the money was distributed to anyone as he had need. It's such a beautiful thing. In Proverbs 14.21, um, he who despises his neighbor's sins, but blessed is he who is kind to the needy. And in Galatians 2.10, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to, to, to do, Paul says. And, uh, you know, there's offerings that are gathered, like the offering in Acts, uh, for the Jerusalem offering, where Paul gathered an offering from all the Gentile churches to then go and take to the uh, Jewish churches, like the church in Jerusalem, to just express solidarity in the gospel of Jesus Christ from Gentile to Jew, Jew to Gentile. And that was a very beautiful thing, but it was a special offering collected, and things like that are, are wonderful. And it provided for the needs for those in who, in Judea and in Jerusalem who were going through a famine at that time. And and uh, you know th- those are just wonderful stories in Scripture of God's people not only giving their tithes but also giving uh, their offerings 
point five, using money to provide for self and family, to give to the church, and to help the deserving poor requires a plan informed by scripture and executed by faith. Um, a, a budget is simply a plan to ensure that God can be glorified through all the ways that he intends us to use our money. Without a plan, we usually end up neglecting giving. It's just so true because we end up spending everything and we have nothing left over. And it's just because we're kind of, you know, living in the moment rather than sort of planning out how we're going to use our money and being disciplined with how we use our money. That can be really hard and hard to kind of get in the habit of if you haven't been doing that. Um, you know, we've had a course here in the church that we've run with Dave Ramsey, you know, where we um, have talked about, you know, financial planning. And if, if you need any help with how to develop a budget, we have many men and women who are skilled in that in our church. And just ask us about that. We'd love to put you into contact if, if that's some, an area you kind of want to grow in. And uh, that can be a real blessing in your life um, to learn how to uh, develop a budget. B, Savings allow us to work our plan to meet future needs. C, consumer debt can be a denial of faith in God's provision or an expression of greed. Regardless of the motive for consumer debt, the Bible depicts it as unwise because it can result in our becoming controlled by our lender. And, and the biblical principle there is in Proverbs 22.7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a servant or a slave to the lender. And so you really are enslaved when you're in debt, you know, to the lender, and, and it really hinders you from really being able to be generous um, and to use your money in ways that are free. Um, and and that, that's an important reason to consider just doing all you can to get out of debt. And it's important to note then as well that God doesn't love you any more or any less whether you're in debt or whether you're not in debt. All of our sins, you know, past, present, and future, are completely forgiven by the blood of Christ. You know, and it's a good thing to work to get out of debt. It really is. But if you are struggling with debt, I want to let you know and remind you that you know you're accepted by God on the merits of Jesus Christ, and 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 not because of anything that you do or that you don't do. And and that, that's really important. There, there's just grace covering you, and we want you to just be reminded of that. Um, point six, God teaches us not only to give away our money, but also to do it out of generosity and with joy. Um, you know, God, it says in 1 Corinthians 9, 7, God loves a cheerful giver. We want to give generously. We want to give very joyfully as well. Um Here's a few other thoughts about giving and the church. Um, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but this really kind of captures a lot. Um, firstly, remember that Jesus commended the practice of tithing in Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So he's saying, these you ought to have done, the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness, without neglecting the others. You know, the tithing of the mint and the dill and the cumin and what they were doing there. Jesus doesn't say that was wrong. No, they were doing it. They were doing it and it was honoring God. They were obeying God there. They just need to obey God in the weightier matters of the law also. And so, you you see him commending the impoverished widow for giving her two small coins when it was all she had to live on, um, you know, that 
we looked at that passage a little bit earlier. And, um, you know, that, that's a really beautiful thing, her generosity. And we want to, we want to really follow her example. B, there are some Christians who don't believe in tithing, but in, quote, grace giving. Um, and that comes primarily from 2 Corinthians 8 and the passage there. And, and that's a, that's a fine position when it's believed and practiced with the kind of generous heart you see in 2 Corinthians 8 which is, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints." The New Testament principle in relation to giving financially is generosity even to the point of giving up all and out of extreme poverty even, overflowing in a wealth of generosity. Um, Grace giving should never be held as an excuse to give less. If that's kind of the, you know, the struggle sometimes that you can have in your heart, it's like, man, I, I wish I didn't have to give this much. You know, that's sort of kind of going in the wrong direction that Scripture takes you in. You know, we can all kind of struggle at times with recognizing, you know, wow, you know, um, that money that I'm giving, you know, if I if I keep it, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a good amount that I could use for myself. And looking at that, and that there's, you know, we all can wrestle with things like that, but we don't want to kind of develop an entrenched position where we're thinking, well, you know. I don't really want to give a whole lot and, and build our theology, build our doctrine around that. And a lot of times greed can inform even our positions on these things rather than Holy Scripture and a generous heart. And so, you know, those are just important things to keep in mind. The principle of gracious, generous giving and even a, giving a tithe of all your income has biblical support, Old Testament and New. If someone doesn't believe in tithing, then that's okay. But they, they still should hold on to the principle of generous giving, even beyond their means when called upon by, by God, in order to display the character of Christ, who though he was rich, as it says in 2 Corinthians 8, for our sakes he became poor. And that's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, see, God has designed that the advance of his gospel be provided for through the generous giving of his people. Part of embracing the cost of the Christian life is being willing to sell all we have, like Jesus said to the rich young ruler, and to submit our finances to the Lord on a regular basis and steward them well for eternal purposes. That is part of what it means to embrace the path of Jesus, who did not have a place to lay his head. And, you know, we look at the sacrifice and the sacrificial life of Jesus. We look at the cost of the cross, that he was rich, you know, up in heaven with God. He was rich. He entered into um, a life of poverty, and he became poor. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, in order to save us and bring us to God. And we want to have that same type of heart in following Jesus to sacrifice, to sacrifice our time, 
and to give God our, the very best of who we are, not the leftovers in life. And that includes our finances. And I want to close here by just saying with point D, and I, I want I want all of you who are joining the church to know this, because it, it's not always obvious um, when 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 you talk about these things in relation to church life. Our church, we are not about money. We're about Jesus. When we talk about money at our church, we want you to know that. And we will. We'll need to talk about money matters at times um, just because um, those things are important and money is important to the mission of the gospel and to its advance. It's, it's not unspiritual or sinful to talk about money. And it's not... A church isn't inherently motivated by greed and being money hungry when it's talking about money. Um, you know, it's it's when we're talking about the gospel going forth to the ends of the earth, you, you need to talk money. And that's that's not a carnal sort of thing. It's a very spiritual thing. And, um, you know, it, it's important, though, to note, after having said all that, that we're not about the money. We're about Jesus. We're about Him getting glory. We're about His fame and His word spreading to this local area and to the ends of the earth. Um you know, God has designed that the advance of his gospel be provided for through the generous giving of his people. And, um, you know, it's a wonderful thing when a local church is giving generously um, because it causes that church to be like a, a beautiful reservoir where just streams can flow out from it into many different directions for mission to bring the life giving, living water of Jesus Christ to many people um, locally and to the world. And I just want to thank you so much in advance just for your heart, for Jesus and all the money you've probably already given and and uh, are going to continue to give to our mission. Um, we're so grateful for that. And, and you are really a gift to us and, and we as pastors we're so grateful um, for your obedience to the Lord in these matters because it really does it enables us to accomplish our mission together as a local church um, we really we really love you saints and we're so grateful for all that God provides for us through you and there's <clears throat> some points there at the end um, some biblical financial wisdom we hope they're helpful for you there's also a rationalizing away tithing addendum from Randy Alcorn's book, which was excellent, Money, Possessions, and Eternity. If if, if you want to read a, a book that's going to really help you with an eternal perspective, read that book. I think it will really help you to just enter into an eternal mindset with these things so that you store up treasures in heaven and not treasures on earth. And you live your life um, with, you know, fixed gaze on eternity and not just live for the here and now. Um, let's pray and ask for God's blessing on our uh, lives that we would give him the first fruits of all that we are. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to give. We thank you for providing for all we need. And Lord, I pray that you would work. Holy Spirit, would you please um, convict us, Lord. Um, help us to be the generous people that you call us to be. Um, change our attitudes and perspectives about these things if they're not in alignment with your word and help us to go forth 
Lord, with great joy and with great excitement with how you're going to use us and how you're going to use us with our time and our gifts and our, our talents, our abilities. But Lord, also how you're going to use us with our money to advance your gospel. We're so excited about the advance of the gospel into this area here and also to the ends of the earth. And we want to be used of you. Thank you so much for, though you were rich, for our sakes you became poor to make us rich with salvation. We love you, Jesus, and we love your gospel cause. We want to give our all. We want to give our first fruits. We want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, knowing that you're going to provide for all of our needs as we do. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.